Hi, I'm Beth. And I'm Andrea. We are bringing you the Real Moms Real Life Podcast, your guide to self-empowerment and taking on each day as your best self. This is episode number 38. After our weekly segments, we are going to chat about child development. Let us know if there are any topics you would like to hear. Don't forget, all the resources on this podcast are meant for information purposes only and not to be confused for medical advice or treatment. Good morning, Andrea. Good morning, Beth. How are you? I'm good. How are you? Good. You know, my husband's always really good about taking the collars off the dog when I record. <laughs> I can hear it. And I always forget, so, you know. That's hilarious. <laughs> hey, you know what? It's real moms. That's right. Real life. That's right. <laughs> how it works. <laughs> Did you survive your weekend, uh, long weekend, as a as an only parent? <laughs> yeah, I did. I did. And we had we had a sleep was just really rough. I, I kind of am wondering if he was just thrown off just from Adam being gone. I try not to put any more, you know, at first, of course, I'm like, oh my God, I need to book with my energy healer again. And what do I need to do? And I'm like, you know what? Like Adam is gone. This is just an adjustment for him. Like let it just be. And that just made it a lot better to deal with. Um, cause gosh, one night he was like up every 20 minutes for like the first part of the night. And then he slept for like, I think a four hour chunk and then was up again. So it was a little rough, but other than that, we did, we did fine. It was good. You made it. So we, we survived. Yeah. Nice. <laughs> I kind of try not to make like a big deal about it. I'm like, you know what? It's like one less person to feed. Um, I'm just not going to plan on getting as much as I'd like to done. And that's okay. It just is what it is. So. Yeah, I remember my husband traveled a, a, fair, a little bit when um, when I had my first, and it was always like, you know, just different, but in some ways it was like, well, you know what, then I just have to worry about me and the, the, the kid, and so I don't have to discuss my plans with anyone, and you just, you just do it, and it's fine. So, totally. So tell me, um, what is your real mom moment of the week? Um, why did I just totally blank out? Oh yeah. And I remember I was like, why did I just blank out? Um, it was really just giving him the pacifier a little more than I usually do. Cause normally pacifiers are reserved for bedtime and reserved for uh, nap time only. And then like occasionally in the car, if he's being super fussy, cause I don't want him like screaming in the back. Um, but yesterday morning, I think at this point, he was just pretty sleep deprived. And it was like nine o'clock in the morning. And he was just like standing there crying for no reason, which is just really unusual behavior for him. Um, and like holding him really wasn't comforting, comforting him. And he wasn't like crying. Like I was even on the phone with my sister. She's like, yeah, that's not like pain crying. He's just like tired. And I was like, yeah, that's what I think too. I was like, I'm, I'm not putting him down. Like it is going to be a disaster if I put him down now and he does not take a long nap. So I was like, you know what? It's going to break our rule, give him the pacifier. And he was like totally content and then ended up taking an okay nap. But um, yeah, so that was mine. I was just like, screw it. Pacifier time. <laughs> you know what? Sometimes our kids just need a little extra comfort. Yeah. Um, my moment is also about extra comfort. At one forty-five last night, my older daughter, the four-year-old, Mommy, mommy, there's a bee in my room. This is her. There's no bee in her room. Oh, okay. This is her. <laughs> okay. There, there was no bee, but she's right now afraid of bees. And she keeps dreaming about them and waking up in the middle of the night and thinking that there's a bee in her room. It's pouring rain. The bees have like are hiding right now. So 
typically when she does that, if it's at like 5 a.m., my husband goes and like lays in her bed and like sleeps the last hour and a half or whatever before you have to wake up in her room. But it was almost 2 o'clock, so he was like, can she come in our bed? And I said, yeah, it's fine. Of course, my six-week-old sleeps till 4 o'clock in the morning. <laughs> but you know what? Like... I was a little extra stiff this morning, but we all got a better night's sleep, and she just needed a little extra comfort, and I noticed it last night, like, we were playing together, and she just, like, wanted to lay, actually, two nights ago, I think she also, like, she was having trouble falling asleep, she laid on me for, like, 30 seconds and fell asleep, and then my husband brought her to her bed, and she went back to bed, so she just was feeling, like, a little extra, I just need a little extra comfort, and that's okay. Oh, yeah, absolutely, with a new baby in the house and everything, yeah, totally. Aww. <laughs> and, I, and I'll say, I don't, I don't mind it once in a while. If it becomes a habit, then it's too much. But totally it's sweet, like thinking last night we all slept in the same room. That is really sweet. Aw, that's cute. I like right. it. So I want to move on to our tip of the week. So my tip this week is to find your outlet. And it can be a hobby, a sport, a craft, cooking, and it's not something that you necessarily feel like you need to do. Um, you know, I feel like sometimes we feel like we need to exercise or we need to do something, but something that really, it, it doesn't even have to light you up, but just like makes you feel good about what you're doing. So I started feeling after the first, like, once I started feeling better after after this baby was born, I started getting a little bit bored and I was like, what, what should I do? And I'm like doing laundry and doing dishes. I'm like, like, it's not what I want to be doing and I'm not working and I'm trying to relax. So I had to like reach back in my brain and remember, well, like what hobbies do I have? What, what are things that I enjoy doing? So I like to crochet. So I make all of our Christmas stockings. So I started that and I've been reading books nonstop. So like those are two things that really make me feel like productivity is something that it makes me feel good about myself. So doing something that accomplishes. So like a couple of days I watched, it took me three days and I watched the whole Orange is the New Black season. Not the series, the season. Um, And that was great, but I didn't feel accomplished afterwards. I felt kind of like grungy after that I was like I just spent three days watching 13 (laughs) hours of television whereas when I'm like creating something I feel so much better about it so that's my tip is find something that you can do that's an outlet that doesn't rely on good weather or you know that that you can just do when you're feeling like kind of like in a funk I love that and I feel like we should make an entire episode on that so I'm not going to comment on that because I, I need to get better about that, and it's something that I actually really struggle with, so I want to talk about it more. All right, sounds good. I'll write okay. it down. Okay, cool. Um, my tip of the week is just ask. So I had a dentist appointment coming up, and normally I'll just, like, make my six-month, you know, when they tell me, they'll be like, here, how's this date? I'm like, sure, whatever, because then I'll, like, change it on the calendar if I can't, because I do not know what I'm doing six months from now. So I just – and, of course, like – I made the time I made it for worked with Remy's nap schedule before. And then of course it didn't work again. So I called like a week ahead of time and I was like, all right, this is not going to work with his nap schedule. And I was like, honestly, he's 17 months now. Like 
last time I did it, he actually like laid on my chest while I cleaned my teeth and like did a whole procedure on me and like was totally chill. Um, and was just like fascinated by the whole thing. I was like, yeah, that's not going to happen this time. Like he's going to be running around the office. Like I, I just don't know when I can find a babysitter. Like, let me get back to you. And they're like, no, you know what? Like, just bring him in. Like, we're going to find a special time for you. We'll do it when one of our assistants, whatever, doesn't have something going on and she can just watch him. I was like, okay, because <laughs> I'm wow. like, I want to pay a babysitter to get my teeth clean. Like, that's ridiculous. <laughs> and um, anyway, so they just like totally like I brought him in, and they're like, all right, Tanya, like she's gonna take him, and they just like took him into their little room where they have like little consults, and they just like played the whole time. I mean, I came in and they they were like totally watching like videos on iPhone, which whatever he's never done, so I'm sure that entertained him the whole time because I never let him watch those things, but like. It was just awesome. Like, I was like, whatever, I don't even care. Like, you just watched my child for me for an hour. It was like, I get to just relax and get my teeth clean because apparently that's a relaxing thing now. Um, especially after a weekend of when I haven't had, like, anything. I was like, I just get to lay here. So it was pretty awesome. And it was just, I didn't really even directly ask for it. But, I mean, you know, I don't know. People are willing to help. And some people aren't, and that's okay, too. But just ask. You never know. I love that. And I think that that is a perfect opportunity for him to have a little screen time. And mm -hmm. I think I've said it multiple times on this podcast. If someone else is offering to watch your kid, you let them do their thing. I mean, now if it's not a full time <laughs> nanny, great. But, you know, especially yeah. for an hour while you get your teeth cleaned, the doc, you know, the dentist's office doing it. Yeah, just totally. go for it. <laughs> All right. So our topic of the week is child development. I, you guys probably know if you've listened to these episodes before that uh, my main job is a pediatric physical therapy. So I primarily work these days with kids aged zero to three, but I've worked anywhere from zero up to the ages of 21. And I've done some adult stuff in the past, but it's been so long ago that it's not really, not really there. So we put out some calls for questions and you can follow Andrea and I on Instagram and Facebook for when, if we ever do put out calls for questions. We don't all do it so super often, but if we start to get really positive feedback with it, we might do it more. So we're going to start with questions today and we'll see how time is. I've got some other things that I want to talk about as well. We might make this into two episodes. So I'm going to have Andrea read the questions today as long as her little one does, does okay with it. And then uh, we will go from there. All right. So our first question is from Olivia and she has a two-parter here. So she says, number one, what are the best ways to help kids with low tone and or hypermobile joints? And she asks specifically about games, exercises, things to avoid, etc. And number two, in Beth's opinion, what are the most important factors in healthy development for kids that parents can prioritize? Would it be minimal screen time, sports, free outdoor play, diet, etc.? I'd love to hear her three big things. I will turn it back over to Beth. Great. Thank you. So I'm going to first talk about what low tone is. So people might be hearing that and not really understand what that might be. So low tone, when I talk, when you talk about muscle tone, I like to refer to rubber bands. So our muscles are kind of like rubber bands. They attach to the bones and they help us do things. Our 
cone is based on kind of how thick that rubber band is. So if you have like a really skinny rubber band and you want to, let's say it's a hair tie and it's a really stretchy hair tie, you have to wrap it around your hair maybe five or six times for it to actually hold your hair. If you have a really, really tight hair tie, you may only have to wrap it around once or twice. So that's what tone is. So low tone would be that rubber band that you have to wrap around a lot more times in order to accomplish the same thing. So a child with low tone can do everything with that a child with higher tone or normal tone might be able to do. They just have to do it a little they might have to try a little bit harder. They might have to do a little bit more strengthening. They might have to be a little bit more successful in the beginning because they might tire out more quickly. So the things with low tone specifically, and you can have low, uh, I also want to note is that kids can have low tone without any other diagnoses. So low tone is commonly associated with other with other diagnoses like genetic disorders things like that but you can have low tone without any of those things so it is not many of us go around um, if you see a kid that sits in what I call like a W sit that's typically they have lower tone and they're they're hyper flexible so that's just it's a common it's very common a lot of adults have it a lot of my PT colleagues have had it so I don't want you to think oh no my kid has this it's not, doesn't necessarily mean that it's a bad thing, but it's not a bad idea to get it checked out too. So one of the things you want to make sure that you do, you want to focus, if you've got an older kid, you want to focus on strengthening in the mid ranges. So you want to avoid exercises and activities like ballet and possibly yoga without some, um, when they're they're younger and not able to modify quite as well. They're going to be really successful in the flexibility things, but we need their muscles to actually stay a little bit tighter and a little bit less flexible in order for them to have a little bit more strength. So otherwise, things like martial arts is a really great exercise, like if we're talking sports for those older kids, I recommend that for a lot of different kids. It's great on balance and strength training, weightlifting. I mean, there's a lot of like kids weightlifting activities that kids can do now. Really the goal is to work what we call in the mid range. So if you're thinking about a squat, you're not, you don't want to work that squat all the way down so that their butt is essentially hitting on their calves. You want to work that squat in almost that 90 degree position because that's where they're going to be the most stable and is the most stable for their joints. As far as younger kids with lower tone, let's talk like little babies, and all babies are pretty much born pretty floppy and low look low tone until around two months. You want to just help them be successful because it's going to take them, they're going to get frustrated a little bit more easily. So let's say they're playing on the play mat and they want to reach for a toy. You want to bring the toy a little bit lower so that they can, when they reach for it, maybe they hit it on the third or fourth try instead of the ninth or tenth try because a child with, with typical tone may be willing to try 10 times, but a child with low tone may only be willing to try three or four, and if they're not successful, they might give up. So that's just something to think about. You want to put, you want to give that chance for success early on so that they don't get as frustrated, and you may have to keep an eye on that over time that it's going to be harder for them. That doesn't mean they can't do it, and that doesn't mean they shouldn't do it, but you want to support them in a way so that they're successful until they build up the strength to be able to do it the same as their peers. Does that make sense? Yes, definitely. And 
I just want to add in because I've worked with a lot of adults with low tone, but not kids. So, and I worked with a lot of ballet dancers and I definitely just want to emphasize Beth's point about, especially when they're, when they're young, this is not about when you're like older and you have the control. It's like a some stuff that requires that flexibility where they're going to be like, if you look at like knees and elbows, especially it's like where you're bending past straight. If everybody knows what I mean, it's like you're hyper extending. Like I've seen, I've seen this a lot in like, 14, 15, 15 year old dancers that I've been working with who, who have been dancing for like their whole lives. It's like they are in, like, it looks like their elbow is bent, but it's in the wrong direction. <laughs> and it's just like, it's not what that means is the pressure is being put on the joint and, and not on the muscle. Like the joint is doing all the work and the muscle isn't. So the muscle's not actually strengthening in that position. So if you imagine you're in a push-up position and your elbows are just like bent the other way, it means just like the joints are supporting that rather than the muscle supporting it. And I just want to give one more example, if that's okay, Beth, um, that I'll give to people about a joint. So Beth gave that awesome example about the rubber bands. So if you, um, and that is relating to the muscles, and then if you bring it into the joints, if you attach a slinky to a bed spring, okay, and then you like go to stretch them out, you can imagine that the slinky, because it's if I, hopefully everyone's used a slinky, um, is really, really loose. So it'll stretch almost completely straight before you're ever pulling enough to get any stretch on the bed spring. And so in a you know, quote unquote normal, because there is really no normal, it's just a spectrum, but in a normal muscle tone, the around that joint, the bed spring represents the ligaments. So the and the slinky represents the muscle. So the muscles are gets all stretched out before you're ever stretching out ligaments. Whereas in someone with low tone, the ligaments are actually a lot looser. And so what happens is they get stretched out. They're the slinky. They often get stretched out before the muscle ever feels a stretch, which is why someone with a low tone can bring their you know, leg all the way behind their head and be like, I don't feel a muscle stretch. They probably feel a really deep joint stretch before they'll ever feel a muscle stretch. And what happens is um, over time, you're stretching out the ligaments a lot and ligaments really can't be re-strengthened once they've stretched out. Um, so you want to make sure they're stretching out the muscle. So using things like foam rolling or, you know, lacrosse balls and stuff like that are a better way to get at tight muscles for them because they can still have tight muscles within a very long muscle um, instead of overstretching like yoga and ballet. Like the, I'm talking about the extreme positions. Obviously there's like forms of ballet like jazz or tap and stuff like that where I don't think they do as extreme of stuff, but I don't know. Beth might be able to talk to that. I don't, I don't do Absolutely. ballet. <laughs> and, and really, I mean, most ballet is fine. It's, I typically have them avoid point um, because yeah. of the, just the end range resistance on the feet. And then also thinking about really high impact activities. So like excessive, like, height box jumps things like that they just want to be mindful because yeah the 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 joints are the joints are fragile and they're not going they're going to have more pain in their joints if they do more and there's you can strengthen it but there's once those joints start becoming painful it's it's hard to sometimes like to lessen that and to to bring it back so just be mindful and if their kid says that something hurts well we got to listen to it they tend to almost have arthritic like complaints like oh my knees are bothering me and a lot of times we're just like oh just tough it out but in this situation well it's like okay if your knees are bothering you during this activity we need to find an activity that they don't hurt either they don't hurt or they don't hurt as much so that's just something to be mindful of 
Totally. And just emphasizing the strengthening point too, because it's just like you said, it's like all the joints aren't arthritic. It's the complaints are very similar and the treatment is almost very similar because ultimately, even though it does hurt, strengthening is often the thing that's going to make it feel better. And so that's where I would definitely get some help if, you know, it's been ongoing or it just, you're not really sure what to do. It's like, see a pediatric physical therapist, see a physical therapist, depending on their age, and and figure out what strengthening activities are going to help. Because if you start avoiding activities, it's going to make them like weaker because then they won't be using their muscles. And in the long run, it's good. They're going to end up with more pain. So the more strength they have, um, most likely the less pain you're going to have. Um, I've seen some like super successful CrossFitters that can lift I mean, insanely heavy loads, and they are very hypermobile. It's just about learning how to control your joints, but that comes at an older age. It's not going to come when they're little kiddos. So, yeah. And I do want to add one quick thing that I do definitely recommend that you look for a pediatric physical therapist for this uh, for multiple reasons. One, there's just there's some nuances that with kids that are just different than adults. So having a specialist in pediatrics is really important. If you do not have a pediatric physical therapist in your area, then look for an adult facility that sees patients one-on-one. So a lot of pa- a lot of adult facilities see back-to-back pa- or overlapping patients, and I don't think it necessarily benefits the adults to do that, but it really, your kids need constant corrections especially a child with low tone to make sure they're doing things with the right form because they're gonna have so many ways of doing things because of their low tone that is a little bit of an easier way out and it's not going to benefit them as much so if you don't have pediatric pt in your area then at least find a place that will see them one-on-one So I will go on to that next part of the question is the important factors in healthy development. So I'm going to kind of go with different stages of life because I think there are different things for different ages. So the biggest thing for that like infant, newborn, like I'm going to say first year or so is to just put your kid on the floor. There is, there are so many things that out there that it's like, this will help your kid to sit. This will help your kid to walk. But really the best thing that you can do for your child is put them on the floor and give them a toy that they need to make something happen. So a rattle. They need to shake it and the rattle sounds. Or blocks. They need to bang them together and some they make a sound or cups or things like that. And they can be light and easy to play and manipulate. And that way they will not only get the physical development of being able to move on the floor, they'll also start to get their fine motor development of making things happen with toys. Now, I will tell you, if your kid hates tummy time and you will need to use a musical toy to get your kid to like tummy time a little bit, then then you do that. But really the best factor to, to help them develop, you know, healthfully is to put them on the floor. They're not going to learn how to roll over sitting in a bumbo. It's just not going to happen. Um, and we have another question next that, that I want to, oh, that'll go into a little bit more about some of that. So that's really that, the big one kind of in that, I said zero to one, zero to two. Once they start really walking, and I try not to give ages to the walking because kind of going back to that low tone question, it is very typical for a child that is low tone not to walk until 18 months. It's actually average for children with low tone. That does not mean that they are delayed necessarily. Now, you should get it checked out possibly, but it is pretty much standard and almost every kid that I've had that the only diagnosis is low tone walks between 17 and 19 months. 
and they do everything else you know they're still working through those progressions but that's just it just takes a little longer for them to get all the way up off the ground so once they are walking pretty steadily maybe starting to run and you start bringing them to the playground definitely bring them bring them to the playground and let them do their thing you need to kind of step back a little bit let them fall let them climb you know maybe the first time or two you get you're a little closer to catch them if needed depending you know they don't usually have that great of safety awareness but really letting them explore on their own is really really important I don't think that kids need to have specific sports in order to develop, you know, healthfully. I think that they, in our very scheduled time, sports can be really helpful in saying like, you know what, we've got these activities. For me, I thought sports was really great for my little one, for more like learning how to listen to a coach and to follow directions and things like that. But her active time, especially when they're younger, was really just playing outside and just being out there. And I know not everyone always has a safe place to go outside. So if you can't find a safe place to go outside, designate an area in your room, in your home that's safe, you know, to, for climbing, you know, let your kids climb and jump off the couch and that kind of thing. Push the, you know, glass coffee table out of the way and that kind of thing. But just let them be and explore is really big. So, I guess, so that's the kind of that mid-age. Um, and Olivia, you asked about uh, kind of overall healthy development, sports, outdoor play, screen time, diet. I, I'm not totally opposed to screen time if you use it when you need to. You know, I don't think that you can use your kids. Your kids can't be on, the, on a screen 10 hours a day and develop healthfully. I think really, so from my priorities, it's, you know, getting – finding helping them find out what how they enjoy to be active so whether they like to hike or play on the playground or run maybe they prefer an organized sport or something like that however they prefer to be active would be priority number one number two would be socialization I think that it's really important for kids to know how to play with other kids I think that sets us up for kind of stress relief and management and things like that ongoing over overall and that'll make kind of as they get into school ages a little bit easier as they know how to play so even if they're not in daycare or preschool or that kind of thing having regular play dates having friends that you get together with regularly so they can develop like kind of lasting friendships with kids their own age maybe it's you know lasting for you know a couple of months or a couple of years but rather than just you know randomly going to different play groups every week and di- different kids every week starting to build relationships i think is really really important for healthy development And then, you know, you mentioned diet as well. That's probably my third thing because you need to give your child what you feel comfortable feeding your child and your child's going to pick and choose what what they're going to eat. So I know that Andrea posted recently of, you know, you choose what to put on the plate and the child chooses what to eat. And you don't always have control over what your child's going to eat, but you do have the opportunity to choose what you buy. And kids do go through phases where they refuse to eat just about everything. And usually that's the time where they're not growing as much and we start to freak out and we start to buy things like mac and cheese and like just try to get food in the kid. But really, they're a lot better at regulating their food than we are. So as long as we continue to offer them healthy choices and to educate them on healthy choices, I would, you know, put that down after kind of 
finding an activity they love and making friends. I love that. Can I ask two follow or one follow up question? I had a comment. I'm going to say my comment first. Um, I did not know that about the low tone and the walking at 18 months on average. So that's super interesting. And I feel like that makes sense because it literally takes them longer to build muscles. Like they have to, like they need to take, like be stronger than their like normal tone counterpart to be able to walk. So it's not even that they're like slower at it. It's like they just literally need to build more muscles. So that just might be a different way to, that's the way I just thought about it in my head. So maybe that helps if you're kind of like getting nervous about the length of time. It's like, no, they just literally need longer to be able to build those muscles. Anyways, but my question for you, Beth, is for the social um, time with kids, like what age do you feel like that should start? Because I've heard that, you know, at like Remy's age that they just don't really play together. They just kind of like play next to each other and that they don't really need the socialization. So what age do you think that's really important for? So I typically say that you don't need to worry about it in the first year. Now, that is true that at, you know, that 12 to 14 months, they really don't play with each other. However, if you don't start socialization till age two, in my mind, they're not they're at age two, they're going to start playing next to each other. Because that's a, an important part of social development is learning how to play next to a kid. So they're, they call it parallel play where kids are the kids are kind of doing the same thing, but next to each other. So they don't know how to share yet. But if you don't start it, I mean, I would say trying to get into some socialization by 18 months. Um, and and it would I would say pretty consistently and then definitely definitely by age three so you know I would say eighteen months eighteen months to age three go having some you know occasional play dates like trying to do something once a week or something like that and then by age three trying to do something a little bit more consistently so you know depending what's in your financial budget doing like even a there's some like local churches or synagogues that do like a two-day week daycare for a couple hours that's a really really nice way for them to get a regular scheduled playtime. plus it gives you some you time to to really get that socialization even more um significant and I will say too it's amazing my child who's been in my older one who's been in daycare since four months old she plays with her daycare friends differently than she plays with her like playdate friends so the kids that she's in daycare that there's no parents there and there's just daycare teachers they share beautifully they like know how to play together they don't need really anyone to watch them you can have 10 of them you know, 10, 20 of them, like we had almost, we had maybe 10 kids over for her birthday and they were almost all of them were from her school. And they, it was like amazing where she has this, this one friend and it's her best friend and they get along really well, but they butt heads and they're not in daycare together. So they're always there with us. So there's a lot more of mommy, so-and-so took my toy, like that kind of thing, which is still an important part of development. And usually you say, okay, well, you guys need to figure it out. Um, but they're four. So it's, I would say, that was a long-winded answer for you asking an age. Start to really think about it by a year. And then, you know, 18 months to three years, start to get into more play dates. And, but then definitely by three years, consider some type of, you know, regular, you know, preschool-ish program. Because not only is it learning how to interact with other colleagues, with other colleagues, you know, other kids, but also interacting with a different adult, you know, that's not a parental or nanny figure. All right, Remy, we got like a month to figure out some play dates for you. 
we we are we don't really socialize much we need to work on that all right uh, do you want to read the next question all right so from janice my girl is 10 months and likes to use the kind of baby walker that's a tiny grocery cart to walk back and forth across the room but i notice she gets really angsty and tantrum ish afterwards is it overstimulating for her because she can't walk on her own yet is it too much for her nervous system so I am going to say that your baby at 10 months is already being able to use a baby walker. Developmentally, she's probably fine. So that's kind of right off the bat. But I'm going to just say that, yes, it's probably because she can't walk yet. I wouldn't necessarily say it's overstimulating, but it might be frustrating. So if you think about development, and this is what I was referring to earlier when I said I'd talk about it later, Kids learn how to be on the floor first, and their visual field is very small and very little, and they can see a certain amount. And then once they start to kind of learn to crawl and sit, they can see in such a different way. So kids that can sit but not crawl get really frustrated in being on their back or their belly because they're used to the world in a sitting position because they can see so much more. And then when you put, try to put them on the floor and on their back and on their belly, they're so frustrated because they can't see anything. And now they're up and standing and now she's using a walker and she can see the world. Now it's, you know, another half a body height higher from the ground and she can see so much more. So now that when she's down, it's she's just frustrated so I almost feel like it's uh, like a kid coming away from screen time it's like oh there's so much going on I can see everything I can see the whole world and then you take it away and it's like oh oh meltdown um, but so yes I would say not necessarily too much for her nervous system not maybe not overstimulating but just frustrating because she wants to be able to see the whole world now there is some studies that show that using a walker can delay walking because they get used to that push forward. However, she's only 10 months, so she's got plenty of time to keep learning to walk. I would just limit the use of it. Make sure that she's got plenty of time crawling around and being on the floor and cruising along surfaces. So that's really my favorite way for kids to start be walking early. Put toys up on the couch or on the coffee table and have them walk along that and play it so that that way they're kind of controlling it themselves and they don't have total freedom. And I'm hoping that your child is pulling up to stand at this point um, because I really discourage kids in a standing position um, if they can't get up there on their own. So that that would be something to work on is to have your child work on pulling up to stand or if they're, you're going to do a standing activity, hold her hands, have her pull up and then do the standing act and walking activity rather than just putting her at the walker and then walking away. Awesome. That's that's all really, really interesting. I enjoyed that answer. Thanks. I don't really have too much to add because I didn't know a lot of that. I, it's like interesting, the whole like just concept of them being able to see more than getting frustrated. I would have never thought of that. Very cool. Yeah, I feel like I kind of rushed through it, but um, we can talk more. There's, I definitely have a lot more things that I just want to generally discuss. So I think we'll mm -hmm. maybe kind of start on this topic next time and we'll kind of go from there. Um, and if anything else comes up, so I, well, I'm trying to think of where this will be airing in a couple of days. So we may or may not have a chance for more questions, but just send mm -hmm. questions our way. If you have anything else, we can always pop in and have other, um, episodes about them. Totally. Anything else you want to add before we sign off? No, I don't think so. That's, that's pretty good. 
All right. Well, that's our wrap. Thank you so much for joining us today. Next week, we're going to continue our discussion on child development. Follow us on social media for news, updates, and calls for questions. You can find me, Beth, at Feats of Real Eats and Andrea at Dr. Andrea Moore on Instagram and Facebook. Please subscribe to this podcast so you don't miss an episode and write us a review. Show notes for this episode and all podcast-related information can be found at realmomsreallife.com.